Oh my goodness, Lord Jesus, there's lots of stuff going on worldwide, nationwide, statewide, in the county, in the city, in the churches and in our home, all kinds of stuff. Some of it good, a lot of it bad. We're standing on that promise. What you've done for us, that's what draws us here. You draw us here. We want to praise you for that, glorify you for that. And we want to serve you because of that, all for your glory. It's in your precious name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. So I want to start this morning with this question. What, what, what kind of person comes to your mind when you think about somebody that goes to church every week? I always love the story of Harold. Harold lived in a very small town, and he was walking around in the drugstore, and he was all dressed up, and he was carrying his Bible. And somebody said, Harold, what in the world are you all dolled up for? And he said, well, I've been hearing about this place called Narlands. And he said, I guess they got lots of free running liquor down there and lots of gambling houses and a few naughty shows, if you know what I'm talking about. And I'm going to go down there and try it out. And they said, well, what in the world are you carrying your Bible for? And he said, well, if it's as good as they say it is, I'm going to want to stay through Sunday. And if I stay through Sunday, I'm going to want to go to church. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of not. It's kind of not because the statistics out there right now are showing that that's how most people feel about churchgoers. That there's not a whole lot of difference between a churchgoer and a non-churchgoer. Here's my question. Do you think that's what Jesus had in mind when he started the church? Yeah, me neither. Mark 3.13, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to himself to those that he wanted. And when they came to him, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out. He called 12 people in there to, to form this real special, unique community where they were going to love with each other and they were going to learn from each other and they were going to pray with each other. They were going to start doing ministry together, which means they probably going to argue a little bit once in a while and compete with each other once in a while. It probably means they were going to wash each other's feet once in a while and they were going to be afraid together and they were going to celebrate together and they were going to grow up in Christ together. Kind of sounds a little bit like the staff at South Union Christian Church, except for the feet. I wouldn't touch their feet. You know what I'm talking about? But here's my point. Jesus called himself a small group of people to live together in this unique way. And, and by, by matter of historical fact, that group touched the world like no group ever has before or since. I love what John Ortberg said. I love this. He said, Jesus formed a highly intentional, life-on-life, spirit-led, transformational community where his followers got called, shaped, formed, and then sent out. They got called, shaped, formed, and then sent out. I love that. Now, we are very excited about what's coming next, next month at South Union Christian Church. We're all, a bunch of us, are going to start talking about the body here and how we can all start to shape up a little bit and get ready for all the disciples making disciples that we're going to create in the new building. By the way, you haven't heard about the new building for a while, have you? You know why? Can anybody say red tape? <laughs> it's not in our name yet. We have a hearing Tuesday night. Half of that property was given it to us last December, and half of it was given it to us in January, and we're having a hearing Tuesday night to see if the county's going to okay putting it in our name. Isn't that something? Now, we can't even get a driveway permit until it's ours. We're not concerned about it because, uh, you know, the, we fasted and prayed as a church. The promise has been made. The gift has already been given, 83 acres, oh my goodness. The timing just hasn't been revealed yet, but it's coming. And when we get that new building, we've already decided, we've been instructed by God that this church is going to make disciples who make disciples and fill it up. My question to you is, how do we get ready for that? 
pretty good question. We need to start getting ready because it's coming, you know what I mean? Well, I'm going to give you the short answer this morning, and then we're all going to give you the long answer next month. We're all going to do that together. Here's the short answer. It's from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. This is Paul. He says, speaking the truth in love, we, the church, in all things will grow up unto him who is the head, that is Christ. And here it is. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Called, shaped, formed, and then sent out. As we grow up in love and each part does its work. We're excited. It's coming next week. We're going we're gonna to decide uh, together where our gifted area is and where we'd like to serve. And then we're going to talk about how we can begin to glorify Jesus at South Union Christian Church together. This morning, I want to just talk about the church. And I want to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture from Acts 2.42. In fact, we probably looked at this 10 times in my 31 years. Maybe not that much, but we've looked at it a lot. And every time we look at this passage, it's something different to find. This morning, as I read this, I'd like for you to compare the church of then to today and contrast, maybe, the church of then to today. Are you ready? Acts 2.42. They, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added disciples making disciples. It's exciting stuff. That's the image of the first church. I'd like you to think of this morning about how that compares to the image of the church today. Because I, I put four or five down that I'm thinking. Here's the first one. Number one, I think a lot of people see the church today as a, as a movie theater. A movie theater is someplace you go, uh, normally on the weekends, uh, spend a couple hours uh, for one big reason, to be entertained, you know? Now, hopefully you get a little inspiration to boot, that'd be a bonus. But you go to the movie to be entertained, and you go and you sit down, you're distracted from the life, and you sit in a comfortable seat, and you get comfortable snacks, and again, maybe inspired a little bit. But when the movie's over, what do you do? You go into critique mode. You start talking about it. Was it a good movie or a bad movie? Was it too long, too short? Did the plot drag out? Was the acting any good? You give it two thumbs up or two thumbs down. That's what you do at a movie. And I'm afraid if we're not careful... We bring that attitude to church on Sunday morning. We come to be entertained because our praise group is so good, you know what I mean? We come in here to be entertained. Now, we want to be inspired, and we hope we laugh a little bit and maybe cry a little bit and hear some really good sermon illustrations and all of that stuff and great singing. But in the end, we really came and hoped that the service was good. And subconsciously, sometimes we don't even mean to, but we walk out of here and we either give it two thumbs up or two thumbs down. In fact, some of the sermons I've been preaching the last couple of months, I probably didn't get thumbs up or thumbs down. I probably got the finger. You know, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, just, okay, I'm just kidding about that. But I'm not kidding about this, okay? We keep saying this over and over and over again, and, and we just said this a couple of weeks ago, and I want to maintain it. I want to keep talking about it. If you came to this church to be entertained, what? You came to the wrong church. Because there is an audience in here every Sunday. It just ain't you or I. It's God, and we come to worship Him. Now, Certainly see that in the early church. They didn't come to a place for an hour or two to get entertained. Verse 42, they came to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
They were committed to the Word of God. They came to hear it. They were unapologetically standing on the Word of God. Folks, we got to do this today. Our our culture needs this today. Now listen, we've spent a couple weeks talking about how. We're going to be peacemakers. We're going to do it gently. But we have got to stand on the Word of God. This is our foundation. We got to let people know the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And listen, we're going to base how we do our finances on the Word of God. They're teaching us that on Wednesday nights. We're going to base how we do our family on the Word of God. We're going to base how we do school and how we do our careers. And I'll tell you, when the hot topics come up, and they always come up, there's this one against the church and that one against the church. And it was this in the 20s and that in the 50s, and we know what it is today. When those topics come up, we're standing on the Word of God here. And sometimes that's going to be popular and sometimes it isn't. And sometimes it's going to be politically correct and sometimes it's going to be politically incorrect. But we're standing on the Word of God because that's our foundation. You don't change your foundation. We're standing on it gently and peace-lovingly, but we're standing on it. Early on that same chapter of the book, Peter preached the very first sermon. And they said, the Bible says when he was done preaching, the people were cut to their hearts and they asked, what must we do? That's my prayer every week here at South Union Christian Church. That we come in here and we get filled up with the Word and we get filled up with the singing and we love on each other like we do so well in this church, but that we don't leave here and say, was that a good service? Was that a bad service? Is that one of his good sermons? Is that one of his bad sermons? No, that we leave here and say, what do we do? What do we do beyond church? Because this is just a little part of who we are. What are we going to do now to go back out there and love the way we're supposed to love and make disciples who make disciples? A.W. Tozier puts it this way. This, this hurts. He says, our churches these days are filled with a soft breed of Christian that must be fed a constant diet of harmless fun just to keep them interested. And that hurts the heart, doesn't it? It tears us up a little bit. And that's pretty much the way of our culture. We have learned how to entertain each other. I mean, think about it. We're good at it. We got our DVR set right now, mindset for the, the, the finals of the BMW. I want to watch that, see who wins it. We're into binge watching now. You can watch a whole season over the weekend. We know how to entertain each other. We know how to entertain ourselves everywhere. And I'm just saying, if we're not careful, we come to church just like that. We want to be challenged, okay? We just don't want to change. And we'd like to be fed for sure, but not necessarily do we want to go out in the kitchen and help cook the food and serve it. You know what I mean? And we're all about being united together as a church group as long as everybody's united with me. As long as you think the way I think and you feel the way I feel and you have of the same political persuasion that I am. You know how that goes. We even think, well, we'd love the Holy Spirit to be in here. But we only got an hour for first service, so you need to get in and get out. So I'm just telling you, if we're not careful, we don't stay on top of this. We come into church on Sunday morning and we say, God, we're here for you. But inside, we're actually thinking, what can I get out of it? The early church fixed that. How? By coming to church every week realizing that God is the audience and we came to worship and give to him. Here's another image of the church today, I think. The image of the store. We all go to the store, man. What do you go to the store for? To shop? Food shop? Clothes shop? Sporting goods shop, you know what I mean? And when you go shopping, you want to get what you want for the price you want to pay. And you don't mind going to Walmart and Target and a mall. And don't judge me, but if I don't have time for Amazon, even five below are big lots if you got to have it today, you know what I mean? But that's what we do. And again, if we're not careful, that same language and that same mentality becomes part of the church. 
We become consumers in here. And you even hear that sometimes. You'll, you'll, you'll hear somebody, bless their hearts, and they don't mean anything by it, but they'll say, I'll say, how are you doing, man? What are you doing? Well, we're just kind of church shopping, you know. We're just kind of looking around. What they're actually saying is, we came to see what you have on your shelf to offer. They're shopping. And listen, again, I get that to a point, and I don't blame them. I blame us. Because if you treat people like consumers, they're going to act like consumers. But that's not what we find in the early church. In the early church, we find a group of people who were committed to what? Fellowship. They didn't come to church to shop to see what they could get. They came to church to be part of a family, to see what they could give each other. So different than a consumer. Look, a consumer just after themselves. I mean, you, if you're a consumer, you're hoping uh, you're going to get what you want. And you get to the store, if there's only one thing left on the shelf that you want, you hope you get it. If you're a consumer, you get there, you're ready to check out. The line's long, you try to cut and get one that's not so long, you know, because you're taking care of yourself. That's not the description of the early church. Listen to verse 44. All the believers who were together, they had everything in common. In other words, they weren't a bunch of consumers looking to see what they could get out of the service. They were a bunch of families seeing what they could give each other. Big difference. And by the way, did they really have everything in common? I mean, everything? Of course not. They all had different likes. They all had different opinions. They were probably on both sides of the political aisle, if you know what I'm talking about. But it was almost like they had everything in common. How? Why? Because of Christ. And that's the same thing with us. Come on, man. We're all different. Some of you like to hunt. Some of us like to golf. Some of you like this. Some of you like that. Some of you even like cats. I love you anyway. You know what I'm talking about? And listen, the political deal is such a split. Sometimes every now and then, I don't mean to, trust me, every now and then it's comes out really which direction I'm leaning. And when I do, I can see some of you just cringing. But we love each other anyway. Because that's what family does. They serve each other. One little girl was talking to a stranger at a mall, and he said, how many kids? Oh, my goodness, how many kids you got in your family? She said, we got nine kids. He said, nine kids? That must cost a lot. She said, oh, no, we didn't buy them. We just raised them. <laughs> that's what we're doing. We're raising each other up in Christ. And that's one of the strong suits of this family, I think, is that we love each other, despite all this stuff. I'm telling you, some of the guys I've shown Claudia this morning, some of my preacher buddies I meet with every week, and some of the things I hear about going on in their congregation, I'm saying, oh my goodness, we are spoiled rotten here. The way we love each other and get along despite all that stuff, the stuff that we don't fight over. We've been called to be brothers and sisters, and that's what we are. We're a family. Now, we're not a perfect family. We know that. We have dysfunction in our family. We know that. We have some cousin Eddie's running around his family, and you know who you are, and even if you don't know who you are, we know who you are. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but, but we're a family, and I'm telling you how we keep this family attitude going is very carefully listen to me. You come in here on Sunday not looking at what you can get. Come in here as a family looking at what you can give. You don't sit back here in the corner and say, we'll just see if they come and speak to me. We'll just see if they love on me. We'll see if I can fit in. No, no, no. You see if you can help them be loved on, if you can help them fit in. We come with that attitude. That's what the first church did. Here's the third image of the church I think a lot of people mind, have in mind today, and that's the image of a restaurant. What do you do at a restaurant? You go sit down, somebody waits on you and serves you. Can you imagine going to Culver's after church today and John Laskowski meets you at the door with a dirty cloth and says, hey man, we are really rushed. Would you mind cleaning off three or four tables here in the back? And, and, and you, you go ahead and make some hamburgers. You guys clean the tables off, make some hamburgers, and then when you're done, sit down, we'll take care of you. I've never owned a restaurant, but I think that's probably not a good business model. 
I wouldn't eat at a restaurant like that, would you? Can I tell you, honestly, that's how some people see the church today. It's a place where they just come in and sit down, fold their arms and let Lori and the crew entertain and serve, wait on them a little bit. You even hear that in the language sometimes. You say, how come you go to South Union Christian Church? Because I get fed there. I like to be fed. And again, there's nothing wrong with that answer as long as we're learning something from the illustration of the family that the best place to be fed is in the kitchen, not at the table. And I'm just saying some of us need to once in a while push away from the table, put down our forks and our menus and our knives and get out there in the kitchen, put on an apron, do a little cooking, a little serving because that's where we grow. And that's what we see in the early church. Verse 45, they were selling their possessions and goods. Now, were they selling all their possessions and goods? No. But they were selling their possessions and goods. Why? To give to each other. They had need. They were serving each other constantly as a family, taking care of each other's needs everywhere you looked. I was in Sears years ago, and I went to this guy, and I said, hey, could you help me with a lawnmower? And he said, sure. Which one are you looking at? I said, that one. And man, this guy just waxed eloquent about this lawnmower. I mean, he went on and on, and he knew it. it wasn't fluff. He didn't say, well, a wheel is located on all four corners for easier maneuverability. I mean, this guy knew what he was talking about. He was talking about the RPMs and, and the horsepower compared to this one and how big it was and the chassis and the type of metal compared to one down. And when he was done showing off his salesmanship scales, I thought it would behoove me to show off my consumer skills. So I said, well, it's all well and good. How much would you take off for this particular display model based on all these scratches and that ding over there if I was to buy it. That's pretty good, don't you think? You know what he said to me? I don't know, buddy. You have to talk to somebody who actually works here. <laughs> he didn't even work there. <sighs> Man, I'm praying that goes on at South Union. That people come in here and don't even know who's who. It's one of the reasons I'm wearing this. I got out my long sleeve shirt last night and um, a t-shirt, because I can't wear a shirt without a t-shirt, long sleeve like a dress shirt. And Angie said, what in the world are you doing? It's going to be 91 degrees tomorrow, so I'm wearing this. It's part of the reason why I gave up the coat and the tie to begin with. You know what my dream is? That people come in that church on Sunday morning before service starts, they don't even know who the preacher is. They don't know who the staff is. They don't know who works here and who doesn't work here. You know why? Because everybody's serving. Everybody's working. And that's coming here. It's coming excited about it. It also says they continued to meet together um, over and over and over again, every day. You know, here's the other image. This is number four, the image of a gas station. That's where you go to get filled up, you know? And the whole idea of getting filled up at a gas station, you want to get in and out because you've got things to do, right? And you don't think about it again until your gauge is low. I think a lot of people see the church that way. They love coming on Sunday morning. They're going to get filled up. They want a little Holy Spirit. They want a little preaching, a couple of good jokes, which you're going to get here, amen. And, and they want some singing and inspiration, and then they're out. And they don't think about it again until they come back next week. And if they're real busy next week after that, if they're real, real busy, we don't see them for a couple of weeks. Again, that's not the picture of the first church. I just read it. They continue to meet together in the temple courts, broke bread in their homes, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Don't you just love those two words, by the way? That's the spirit of the early church. Glad and sincere. In other words, full of joy and, and authentic. That was the mark, the image of the first, of the, of the first church. I, I'm, I'm afraid that's not the image of the church today. I think the two words people use to describe the church today are not joy and authentic. It's more like judgmental and hypocritical. 
personally, I think that's why you're all such a breath of fresh air. I mean, I say it all the time. Spoiled rotten. This is an amazing group of people. You're real to the core. You're not pious. You're not perfect. Man, oh man, you're a breath of fresh air. I love being here. By the way, it says they, um, they met every day. Does that mean we should go to church every day too? No. But it means church should go with us every day. This is just a little piece of who we are. It's beyond here that you and I count. It's taking church to school and taking church to work and taking church to the filling station and taking, you know. And, and really, when you think about it, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you are the church going out every day. One last image, and then we're going to have plenty of time to pray. A lot of people see the church today as a fitness center, a gym. People say, wait a minute, a gym's where you go to get in shape. Well, not really. Most of the research out there today points out that most people don't go to the gym today to get in shape. Most people go to the gym today to stay in shape. It's a big difference. I know a lot of people feel better about their health because they're making payments to a gym even though they never go. But most people, they go to a gym to stay in shape, not to get in shape. And I'm just afraid, I'm scared to death that's the way people see the church today. They drive by and they see all our cars and they see us coming in and laughing and they say, there's a place where people are in good shape. All of their marriages are in good shape. All their devotion life's in good shape. All their prayer life, they don't have any drug issues, they don't have any alcohol issues, no dysfunction going on. I can't fit in a place like that. I'm out of shape. Do you know there's a gym in Chicago that you can't even sign up for unless you're willing to lose at least 50 pounds? They don't want anybody in shape coming to their gym. You've got to be 50 pounds over. And this is what they say. I think this is amazing. They said, you know, sometimes gyms and fitness centers are their own worst enemy because the very people that need their help the most don't feel comfortable coming. Man, let's not be that. Let's not dress it up on Sunday and try to make everybody think our lives are all together, that all of our marriages are perfect, and we don't have any drug issues or alcohol issues, and your preacher's perfect and all of that. Let's not do that. Let's just be honest. We're a bunch of rubes. You know what I mean? We're sinners saved by grace. Every one of us in here. And let's invite people, other sinners, to come in to grow up in Christ as we are. Let's remind them that they're welcome here, they should be very comfortable here, and that the biggest thing is that the doctor is in every week. He's here. Jesus is in the building right now. I want you to close your eyes with me. I don't ask you to do that very often. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute? Very quietly. I want you to realize that Jesus Christ is in this building. ready to touch you right this minute. Some of you have already felt him. If you haven't, ask him right now with your, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. Jesus, please, I need you so bad. You have filled this place. Your spirit is alive in here. With your eyes still closed. On the last night in the upper room, Jesus took a loaf of bread he broke it and blessed it and he said this is my body broken for you when you get together as a family to celebrate and worship and preach and you take this remember me I'm right there then he took a cup 
He gave thanks for you. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. When you drink this together, do so in remembrance of me.